0: Thanks for checking out the Long and Short of It podcast. You can find us on all good podcast platforms and on the YouTube channel, The Subtext.
1: Hello, and welcome to The Long and Short of It, the podcast where we discuss each of the games on the Metacritic Top 100 list. My name's Dan,
0: and I'm joined by. I am Lawrence. Welcome to the podcast. How are you today? I'm good. A bit tired today. It's the first uh, first episode we've recorded in an evening after a day of work, isn't it? But it's uh, it's an interesting one. I think I, th- I think we'll uh, be interested to see how this goes.
1: Yeah. Yes, we'll see what the energy's like. Let's hope it's good. Um yeah. I was up earlier this morning by half an hour so I could uh, get my Xbox Series X pre-order in. <laughs>
0: Nice, and did you do that successfully?
1: Yeah, just about. Um, so, sitting there for half an hour and managed to get an Amazon order in at the very last minute. I don't even know what was going on with it, but um, I've heard a number of sites crashed. So, I think it's in popular demand after their big announcement yesterday of um, buying Zenimax, the yeah. uh, owner of Bethesda.
0: Yeah, that's What are your thoughts news. on that? Yeah, I mean, you and me discussed it briefly yesterday and I hadn't even thought of the, the consequences for that, meaning that it will probably be the case that the Fallout games and the Elder Scrolls games might become Xbox exclusives, which would be a shame. But it's um, it's, it's, it's a big bit of news, isn't it, in the gaming sphere?
1: Huge. I mean, I, I can't remember the last time something this... Uh, I think think something that will shift the industry like this has happened... Um, I mean, the only the only thing that I can think of is years and years ago when Microsoft bought Rare, and that was um, ages ago now.
0: Yeah, that was was that mid nineties.
1: No, that was two thousand
0: and two. Oh, okay, I wow. Think.
1: Yeah, I think that was two thousand and two, and obviously swept up Rare, swept up all all of Rare's properties, yeah. and didn't do an,
0: didn't do anything with them since. <laughs> Just released uh, Banjo Kazooie: Nuts and Bolts, and apparently it wasn't that great.
1: It's alright, it's alright, it's just not not um, traditional Banjo-Kazooie, but it was alright. Well, um,
0: I mean, speaking of Banjo-Kazooie, that kind of segues quite nicely into what we're discussing today, kind of, doesn't indeed, it?
1: Indeed, it does. So today we are discussing the 1996-1997 game, Super Mario 64, um, it released earlier in some regions, and over here in the UK we got the raw end of the deal. And it came out in 1997. Um, I am still outraged to this day. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So this is number 80 on the Metacritic Top 100 list. It has a score of 94. Um, So I suppose, as usual, the best place to start is... Do you have any history with this game?
0: I've got zero history with this game. This is the very first time that I played mario 64 and as is with a lot of the bigger games like um, when we covered a link to the past and me having never played that before i've always been very very aware of this game i've always known what it is what this game means to people and kind of the the force that it has behind it is one of the kind of starters of the 3d platforming games um, because you know it was one of the first so even though in general yeah i mean i've never played this game before but i know how important this game is and how beloved it is so it's um it's an interesting one to talk about just because i'd say this is probably one of the biggest games that we've covered so far we've done some massive ones already but this is kind of in a league of its own if you if you know what i mean
1: yeah in terms of its influence there aren't many games that we've done that can touch this. Maybe GTA 3? Yeah, um,
0: perhaps. What What about you? What's your history?
1: So, got the N64, and as I said, I think I've mentioned before, I got three games with it. The three games I got were GoldenEye, Super Mario 64, and Diddy Kong Racing. And um, <laughs> I told the story about how my parents... Accidentally got us a used N64. Oh, from a and... best friend
0: at work, wasn't it?
1: <laughs> yeah, and uh, they couldn't read. No, they they felt like they couldn't say no at the time. Yeah, and we got a Mario sixty four, and the person had all the stars, and because obviously it's saved onto the console at yeah, the time. Yeah, yeah. So the person had all the stars. Actually, no, it was saved onto the cartridge. I think. Sorry. Yeah, it's the um, cartridges,
0: I think, isn't
1: it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, and the person had all the stars and. Um, so we, so we started from scratch, but there was a, there was always a completed file there for us to mess around with. Um, but, I mean, we, we played it. We played... Um, certainly, I've got strong memories of some levels. Um, and as you get deeper into the game, considering I was um, seven or eight, mm. um, less uh, memories of later levels because, quite frankly, I couldn't get that far at that yeah. age. <laughs> yeah, so... Um, And I said to you in the week, it's one of those games that I do have uh, some strong memories of, and I do have a fondness for, but at the same time, um, it was quickly dropped in favour of other N64 games. I mean, I think GoldenEye and Diddy Kong took more of my time than Mario 64 did. Um, Mario 64 almost kind of felt a little bit dated by the time we got it, um, because we had newer, shinier platformers like Banjo-Kazooie out, and they were just um, a bit more impressive, maybe a bit more appealing to my young mind. Um, I mean, obviously, that's all down to... Uh, There's preferences, isn't it? People's opinion, yeah. So, um, yeah, strong memories of this game, though. And one of the things that I wanted to touch on, first of all, was let's cast our minds back even further. If, we, if I was, say, five years older, you were five years older, and we were playing extensively on the uh, the NES and the Super Nintendo, and we were playing the Mario games extensively on those. And you get the announcement for Super Mario sixty four. You see Mario for the first time running in three D. You see the Mushroom Kingdom for the first time being rendered in full three D. So all these, when you're playing a two D game, all all of these things that you have to kind of use your imagination to fill in. Um, is now there in front of you. I mean, I can't really fathom what that would have been like. I can only imagine. Um, Mm. But it must have been pretty huge at the time.
0: I mean, I can... Because I've been thinking about this a lot as well, and it's very hard for us to be able to imagine what that would have been like because we just weren't at the right age at the time to be able to appreciate how massive it was. And the only thing that I can somewhat compare it to is... Because I've made no kind of, um, you know, I've been open from the start of doing this podcast. I was never too much of a Nintendo person growing up, and I've never been too fussed by Mario or Zelda or anything. I was always more of a PlayStation, and before that, a Sega kid. And the very first game that I ever played was the original Sonic the Hedgehog on the Sega Mega Drive. And I remember seeing Sonic Adventure for the first time, on the Dreamcast, and how blown away by that I was, because I'd only ever been used to seeing the two D sprites for the side scrolling Sonic games, i.e., Sonic One, Two, and Three, and CD on the um, on the Mega Drive and the Sega CD. So seeing that for the first time kind of blew my mind. And I think Sonic Adventure came out in two thousand or two thousand and one, yeah, or it might have been ninety nine. I'm not sure,
1: but yeah, the first one, maybe 99, and then the second one, 2000 or 2001.
0: Yeah, I and I think seeing that for the first time after playing so many Sonic games as a young kid, it kind of blew my mind a little bit that this is what graphics could do. And another thing that I can think back to is playing Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace on the PS1, and seeing the FMV, uh, FMV cutscenes on there and how amazing they looked, and I thought, wow, graphics are never going to get better than this. This looks incredible. And, you know, being of the age where you can appreciate it in 96, 97, I can't really comprehend too much what that must have been like to have such a huge jump for something that you know so well, and all of a sudden you're introduced to this completely new concept where it's like, wow, this is so impressive.
1: Exactly. I mean, maybe it's like the jump between... GTA, uh, the first two, and GTA 3. But yeah. even then, I think it's different because I was born in 1990, so my first consoles, well, I had a Game Boy and then I had the N64. Mm. And um, basically, from, from my earliest memory of games, there were 3D games. Yeah. So I wasn't of an age where I could see the dawn of 3d in the same way that some people were maybe if i was five years older it would have been more of a thing for me but when we got the n64 it was never oh this is amazing it's in 3d it's it was more like well this is normal this is yeah this is a game this is what games are um so i can't i can't i can't really um speak to that but all we can say all, all we can do is uh pay i suppose deference to the fact that um to, to some people, this game would have been massive, completely rewritten, yeah. what video games could be. 100%. Um, so, yeah, I just wanted to give that a bit of a nod, really. Absolutely. Um, so, how did you get along with this game?
0: <laughs> you know the answer to this. And um, for, for context, me and Dan both played this this time around on the Nintendo Switch on the new 3D All-Stars pack that came out last week at uh, time of recording. So I will just be totally upfront and honest to say I really didn't enjoy this game at all. And I feel slightly nervous about saying that because I know how, as I said in the link to the past episode, I know how defensive um particularly Nintendo fans can be of their IPs, particularly of Zelda, of
1: yeah I do not I d I don't I don't necessarily agree with that though. I said to you yesterday I think any any fan of any game can be uh defensive of it. I don't think um, Nintendo fans are especially bad for it.
0: No, I think it's it's just the case across kind of whatever platform people play is that you, you've you got the people that are like us where they can be like, oh, I really enjoy this game. But, you know, I can understand if you don't. But then you look at people like Jim Sterling who... And you said to me yesterday, you get the feeling that Jim Sterling kind of revels in the fact that Nintendo fans hate him. Yeah, he definitely does. Um, but... I always find it a little bit awkward saying to people who love a game, oh, I didn't like it. And these are the reasons why, but for something as huge as Mario 64, I mean, I was sending you voice notes throughout the week saying, I just didn't understand why I didn't get on with this game because all things considered, I should have loved this game because of what it was, because of how well it's respected because of what it did to the gaming industry. But Being completely honest, I mean, I said to you at one point that I hated it. I've kind of tracked back from that now after playing it a bit more. I don't hate it, but I really didn't enjoy it that much. And I'd say probably out of all the games we've covered so far, this has been my least favourite game to play, which shocked me.
1: Worse than A Link to the Past?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's Um, that's, Yeah, I just... I don't know, and I think a lot of it goes back to what we've discussed before when we discussed A Link to the Past when I've made my anecdote about my old housemate playing Metal Gear Solid for the first time and not really getting on with it whereas I thought it was really easy is that if this isn't a game that you grew up with and you're getting into it fresh upon a re-release in 2020 you're going to have a wildly different experience with it than someone that did grow up with this game someone like yourself and I know That you say it wasn't a particularly special game to you, but you did play it and you did enjoy it at the time when you were a kid. And I think having those experiences and those memories of certain games really helps you along the way when you go back to them years later. And it's exactly the same as what we said for GTA 3. You can't imagine someone that's 16 years old going to play GTA 3 now and being like, oh, this is amazing. Because they'd be like, what the hell is this? This is clunky and awful. Yes, I do. You know, it's very hard for me to kind of... I'm still grappling with myself about this because, like I said, I feel like I should have enjoyed it because of what it is. And I almost feel bad for not liking it. But those are kind of my opinions, and that's been my experience. But, uh, you know, we'll we'll get into it more as the episode goes along. But, I mean, overall, I just didn't really get on with this game. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> How about you?
1: We should we should also we should also mention as a caveat that when we talk about Nintendo fans, I consider myself a Nintendo fan. Yeah, you are. And we don't yeah. we don't mean uh, sweeping statements about all Nintendo fans. No, We're it's the toxic kind about
0: of fan base. Console warriors
1: get. from yeah. all uh, all the consoles. Yeah, you get them for you every just platform. Need to, yeah, you just need to look around and you can see that in some places. Of course. Um, yeah. So um, I mean. The example that I would use to kind of, um, I suppose, relate to what you're saying is when I played Tomb Raider with you, mm. I'd, ne- I'd never really played it back in the day. So I played the, was the first one, wasn't it? I think.
0: I think we played Tomb Raider 3 in the jungle.
1: No, it was um, it was in the, the stone tombs. Oh, okay, things. that would have
0: been Tomb Raider 1 then, yeah.
1: Yeah, it was that one. And I remember there was a big room and there was um, some jumps in there. Yeah. And yeah, and I, it was just horrific to me (laughs) because I mean, as you say, and I I actually don't think this is nostalgia. I think what happens is you kind of get an inherent feel for the core mechanics of a game if you've played it previously. So for me picking, yeah. So for me picking up uh, Super Mario 64 again, it wasn't, it it didn't feel like a huge leap. Um, I had kind of a, a muscle memory of what to do. And I suppose for you playing Tomb Raider, or um, for us playing Metal Gear Solid, that was that would be the case. Definitely. Um, yeah. So uh, let's talk about the gameplay. We we will enter into our normal segment for the podcast, which is gameplay is king. So, what do you think is the best move that you can do in this game?
0: Probably the. The, like the triple jump that you can do, but getting it to work for me was a real task.
1: <laughs> but, yeah, so that's the difference. I mean, I don't know why. I just had the timing straight away to do it yeah. so I could just do it. So I suppose that's that it. was the muscle memory. And I mean, and
0: I, I was going to say with the jumps, with the triple jumps and stuff like that, you and me have both watched a few speed runs um, before recording this. It's insane, yeah. Yeah, you, you were saying it's, it's, it's crazy. And I recall you saying that... Um, a YouTube reviewer who we both have watched in the past, Matthew Matosis, he isn't a speedrunner. He isn't someone that's, you know... He's got skills. Yeah, he isn't someone that is, you know, a crazy obsessive who plays games constantly or streams. But the way that he was able to make Mario move around the map was really impressive. And I was watching, I was like, how the hell do you get him to do that? Because I can barely... Familiarity, I think. Yeah, I think it is. And, you know, you're seeing people... You know, jump between walls, going back and forth and then diving and then jumping and kind of jumping up massive areas. But it took me like five minutes and I'm just like, How? yeah, but it's muscle memory, I think.
1: And I really wish I had uh, that level of memory for it, because there are some people that just know yeah. what distances they can jump. And he was one of them that was doing long jumps that I would not have even tried because <laughs> I would have thought I can't make it. I couldn't
0: Um, couldn't even do the long jump. I could never work it out.
1: (laughs) It's just um, you press R and then you just press the jump button when you're um, moving forward. It's just just having the momentum. Everything's about momentum in this game. Yeah, it is. Um, For me, I think... I actually think the movement, with the exception that it's not 60 frames per second, Mm. I actually think the movement has aged really well. I think the jumps you can do, like you say, the triple jump, the long jump, the backflip, the kind of side backflip that you can do. Yeah. I love the jumping in this game. And the jumping was just kind of built upon uh, from this game onwards. There's a famous thing that um, that the entire first area outside the front of the castle was built so that 2D game players get used could to it. kind of experiment Yeah, with the 3D gaming. Which I yeah. think is such a good design choice. And... I think it was Matthew Matosis that mentioned um, the rabbit uh, uh, Myth. with, yeah, with uh, with Shigeru and Miyamoto um, just playing constantly with that rabbit uh, yeah. to get the feel of controlling Mario right, and for the time, I think they they definitely did. I mean, not only was this kind of the one of the first of its one game. of the earliest, yeah, one of the earliest implementations of um, proper three D with a with a moving camera. But this was also one of the first games that used used an analog stick yes and the strange nintendo 64 controller was built around this game um so i think controlling mario though it isn't as good as it would be in later games is still pretty good that's how i describe it um but the camera is <laughs> <laughs> something the worst else suspect of the game ah uh, yeah, it's really bad. Seeing
0: um, I mean, seeing as you and me both played this on as as we said, the three D All Stars pack. Um, to be completely upfront again, I've not really got any history with any Mario games. Um I've played three D World and three D Land on the three D S and Wii U. But other than that, I've not really dipped my toe into three D Mario games. I played Mario Land on the Game Boy and that was about it. Um so I've been quite excited You've Got a bit
1: more experience there than uh, some people have though
0: yeah true and i mean i've been quite excited to play super mario sunshine and i know that it isn't a particularly um, highly regarded 3d mario game but ever since i saw it come out and saw my friends play it on the gamecube when i was um, however old it was 11 12 years old i've always been quite attracted to that game i think it looks really cool so i was really looking forward to going to play it and upon playing it this time round, well, this time round, for the first time now, going from Super Mario 64's camera to Super Mario Sunshine, it's like night and day. Yes, yeah, it is. you, you, you can't expect uh, Mario 64 to have had a perfect camera because, as we said, this was one of the first 3D um, platformer games that ever came out. So the camera with, um, is, it, is it Lakitu? Yeah,
1: the, uh, the, y- the Lakitu Bros.
0: Yeah, it's... <laughs> It kind of works for what it is. The fact that the fact spoiled. that
1: they had um, a character controlling the camera mm. is just 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 goes to show how new it all was. Yeah. Because they weren't sure how to do third-person cameras, so they thought, well, for this to be believable, we've got to have someone controlling the camera, uh, using the camera to follow Mario. Um, and obviously, after that, that was completely abandoned by every third-person game. But It shows how experimental they were being. And I just really... I I think it should be applauded for how much it got right so early.
0: Yeah, Um, Because it is
1: still quite playable. Yeah, it is. Even if it's 24 years old.
0: Yeah, and I I feel I should probably express that even though I said at the start of this game I really didn't enjoy it and I didn't like it, it doesn't mean that I don't think it was good. It just wasn't for me. And Well, I
1: mean, you play a game 24 years later, I mean, it's... it's, uh... It's going to feel different to those that played it at the time, isn't it?
0: Yeah, precisely. And I mean, it's interesting actually being able to now say that I've played Mario 64 because I was playing other 3D games at the time um, such as Crash Bandicoot and even though it was a few years after Spyro the Dragon which obviously have both had um, relatively recent uh, Remakes. remakes. And... We won't kind of touch too strongly on the fact that this isn't a remake and what it was, but it's very interesting seeing this game come out next to Crash Remake against Spyro Remake and just the vast difference between what those games have become now compared to what Mario 64 was and obviously still is now because... With the remakes, you can see how far we've come along, and then we look at Mario, and it's like, wow, that's that's where it came from, and it's it's amazing to see how far the three D platformer has come. Do you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think with those games, obviously they're massive graphical overhauls. So oh yeah, hundred percent. I'm not saying they're the significantly, same.
0: Significantly, you
1: know. Yeah, significantly better graphics, but they've also got some quality of life yeah improvements. That's to make what I mean. It's more um appealing to a modern day audience, I'd say.
0: Yeah, that's what I mean. I, I don't mean to compare you know, this version of Mario sixty four and the new remakes. What I'm what I mean is it's so amazing to, to look at Mario sixty four and say, Okay, this is from around the time of where this all came from. Look at where it is now. It's 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 mad.
1: Crash one came out before Mario did as well. Yeah, it did. I mean only
0: by a bit, only like three months or something. But... Yeah and even though it was a 3D platformer it kind of at the same time wasn't it was quite
1: limited wasn't it it was the camera was set and yeah
0: well it was
1: um almost like half step
0: did you ever hear the story of what naughty dog um originally called crash before they worked oh, out yeah, to call it? Oh yeah yeah I did yeah it was a sonic ass game
1: <laughs> yeah
0: amazing i love it i love stuff like that
1: it's it is a it's a it's a twenty four year old game, and I mean the next question I've got here is is it fun? And I think I think I know what you're gonna to say to that.
0: No, <laughs> just just a straight up no. And again, I feel I should caveat that with saying, I don't think that this game just isn't fun non stop. I I just didn't have fun with it, and yeah, I think other people. Well, I mean, I've seen other people reviewing this game on YouTube and all the people that have come out saying, oh, this is amazing. It takes me right back to childhood. They're loving it. But for, for me and for anyone else that's never played this game before that would be interested in it, I just couldn't say, yeah, this this will be a fun time for you. You know, it, it just wasn't fun for me. What about yourself?
1: I think there's fun to be had. Yeah. But it's not always fun. Um, when you're... <laughs> when you're doing the uh, bits inside the pyramid or the bits inside the volcano and you've got a really tight, awful camera and inside the volcano, for example, you're climbing the poles, then you've got to position yourself to jump to the next pole. And there's about four of them, but you're constantly battling with getting the camera in the right place. Mm. It can be really frustrating. (laughs) Yeah. But on those levels, some of those levels, some of those objectives, it can be really fun. Um,
0: intuitive as I well. mean
1: yeah and we're going to get in, more into that but like things like uh, racing against Cooper the Quick yeah uh, they're just entertaining fun and racing a and... little
0: penguin down the um...
1: yeah down the slide yeah yeah um, okay so let's talk a bit about the design of the game um, so any favourite levels any standout levels for you
0: um I mean, I because it's very... I always say this, but I always enjoy first levels. And I, I quite enjoy Bob on Battlefield. And obviously, it is the easiest level in the game. But I also think that it does a very good job in teaching you more of the mechanics, teaching you what you can and can't do. And Matthew Matos has made a very good point in his video, where he said Bob on Battlefield is one of the only levels in the game that doesn't have a, a bottomless pit and yep. those drops were the bane of my life especially on the um the ice level they just most most of the deaths yeah. that i received and most of the frustrations to the point where i had to turn it off were because i wasn't You're controlling off the slide. i was slipping around not just on the ice level and falling down bottomless pits so to go back to bob on battlefield yesterday to collect up the stars that i hadn't got was quite nice because I could just take my time with it and just enjoy it. Yeah. So yeah. I'd say Bob on Battlefield would be my favourite. What what's yours?
1: Um I, I think you you touched on something there that Mario is a bit more slippery than he is in other games. Yes. Yeah. I think um but yeah my, my favourite level as you know is Big Boo's Mansion. Ah uh, yes uh, or also called Big Boo's Haunt which is another level without bottomless pits Oh, is it? And yeah, no bottomless pits there. You're just in a courtyard. You've got a small outhouse to the left of you. And you've got this huge mansion in front of you. And you can go all the way around the mansion. You can go inside, obviously. There's a load of rooms to explore. Um, and I said to you, I, I'm pretty sure that this is the precursor to the Luigi's Mansion games. Mm. Um, and it's just, I, I love the theme of it. It's one of the best themed levels and everything's kind of in keeping with that theme and the music and i mean i mean the music's pretty uh creepy for a for a mario game well it's got um, um it's got
0: the jump scare in that uh in that level as well isn't it if you go close to the piano the piano, the piano goes absolutely yeah. nuts at you
1: yeah that's that's was, that's was horrific when you were young <laughs> <laughs> yeah so that, that's my favorite level i just think it's the most inventive the most creative level um even if it's not the best level in terms of yeah traditional design um that's the most fun level for me um and how about your least favorite level
0: probably the lava the lava one uh, i just found it frustrating um because you can only fall into the lava section three times before it's game over and then you've got to restart and i just found it annoying another one was the um what's it called like the the one that's kind of at the same point in the game as that the the maze, the hazy maze?
1: Hazy maze cave.
0: Yeah, I didn't enjoy that one either just because I didn't... I don't know. I just didn't get on very well with it. I didn't find what I was needing to do there well enough. It's uh, very big yeah, that level. that's it. I suppose that's why it's called a maze. Um,
1: yeah, it's really big and there's a load of directions you can go in. There aren't any... There's, there's like a couple of uh, specific bottomless pits, but there's nothing... Um, most of it's on land as well yeah I just um, it's kind of bit, an in-between level
0: i just found that one a bit frustrating because i kept getting lost and not knowing where to go and blah i blah, never used blah. to
1: like that because it was too big but i enjoyed it more this time yeah. um i just kind of uh attacked it uh, strategically but yeah my my least favorite levels is two of them and it's always the point where this game starts to lose me uh one of it one of them is the fire level for me as well yeah um lethal lava land something, or something like that, like that. Yeah. And um, and the sand level, which is I can't think what it's One called. With the pyramid. Um Yeah, the pyramid yeah. and the sand, the quicksand mm-hmm.
0: that, that you can annoying.
1: sink into and die. Um I've never really liked those. Shifting Sandlands, I think it's called. Um yeah, so they were my least favourite. The I find the first half of this game much better than the second half. I think it starts to um, for me, I don't know why it starts to dip, and then um, I, I don't know. I always seem to fall off with this game, which was a problem that I had when I was young as well. Yeah. But um. Well, that's the yeah. same problem
0: I have with the Zelda games, isn't it? That yeah. I'll, I'll I'll finish the first half, and then I'll just get bored and I'll fall off the wagon.
1: Yeah, I mean, and it could be to do with pacing. It could be to do with uh, many things. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Um, I don't think you can pin it down to wish, uh, to just one.
1: Yeah. And um, we're going to have fun with the Zelda games when we play through, because I've set you a challenge, which we'll go into (laughs) at another point. Yes. Um, So another thing that I really want to applaud with this game is the hub world. Now, we mentioned the field outside the castle being there just so that you can get to grips with the 3D gameplay. But this could have been a game with a long line of levels you just highlight a level you click to go in you do the level it could easily have been that it could have been a a Um, series of picture uh, frames yeah exactly um but they wanted to do something a bit different so this kind of extra level that you've got this massive level that you've got is this hub world that surrounds everything full of secrets um full of things to unlock And rewards for getting all the stars and things like that and just a really cool setting you've got um, the sea you've got the moat around it you've got the basement obviously the two upper levels it's just such a I I just can't think of as early an implementation of a hub world as that Um, I just think it's such a good idea I mean I suppose you could call the Zelda games hub worlds and then you go into the dungeons which are the core levels um, it feels that's different
0: all. though, doesn't it, with Zelda games. Yeah, it does.
1: It, it really it feels really innovative and ahead of its time. And then things obviously like Banjo kazooie they would do the same thing. Yeah. I mean, I don't think Crash had Hub Worlds, did it? Uh
0: no. Crash um well Crash Crash one had a similar kind of style to what uh, Mario Three had, where it was just kind of you go along a line to the next thing and then Mario not Mario and then Crash Two and Three had um They had hub worlds, but it was just like a circular room where you'd go into a portal and it would take you to the level.
1: I just think it's really immersive to have this world that everything's based in. It just grounds everything. Yeah. So that every level you complete, you return back to the hub world and you can either go to a different level, you can look for a secret star, you can chase the rabbit around the basement, Um, you can get a star from Toad, you can look for the three caps, I think so on, so on, so on. Yeah,
0: I think this was the first game that really kind of Made that a mainstream thing because after popularized that, it, yeah. Because after that, you had Spyro the Dragon, which um, yeah. was in the Artisan world. You then had um, Sonic Adventure One and Two, with Sonic Adventure One being in the Hub world of uh, of uh, a town like a city. I don't think there was one in Sonic Adventure Two, except you had the Chao Gardens and stuff like that. Yeah, but I think Mario sixty four definitely popularized it, and then obviously with yeah. um, with Super Mario Sunshine with um, Isle Isle Delfino?
1: Yeah, Isle Delfino in Sunshine. And then you've got... um, In fact, I think Sunshine's the last Mario game to have a hub world.
0: Until Odyssey.
1: Odyssey doesn't have a hub world. Oh, does it not? No, it has the spaceship, which you use to go between levels. So that's an interesting thing to note. Um, And then you had all the rare games that copied it. Like I say, Banjo-Kazooie, Banjo-Tooie. Donkey Kong 64. Conker. Donkey Kong, everyone's favourite a uh, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so it yeah, inspired a lot of games. Um, okay, so graphically and in terms of the soundtrack, how do you think this has held, held up in terms it, of the presentation values? I,
0: I think it holds up pretty well. Obviously, with um, the version that we played, is it up to 1080p?
1: It's uh, 720, I believe.
0: Okay, and... Sunshine and uh, Galaxy are up to 1080, aren't they? They're
1: both 1080, which is why you get the 4x3 box size on the... So
0: I'd say in terms of graphically, you can tell that it's an old game, but I think it still holds up. Everything looks as it's it's supposed to look. Um, There's nothing in there that you'd be like, oh, I don't know what that is, or oh no, I can't read that, except the statue, which... I know it's always foxed gamers, and they've tried to work out what the uh, inscription reads on the statue, thinking it's a secret for Luigi or something. Um, <laughs> but
1: it turned out that um, people looked at the ROM files, because there was a ROM leak recently of Mario 64. It turns out Luigi, the assets for Luigi are in the game. Oh, really? Yeah, so... That's that mystery solved. Yoshi's in the game as well,
0: isn't he, on the roof?
1: Yeah, Yoshi's in the game. You find him on the roof after you get 120 stars. Yeah, that's it. But apparently, Luigi... I mean, the assets are there. I don't think he's actually placed in the game, but the character model's there.
0: Interesting. Um, But yeah, Yeah, I I think it still holds up. I think it looks good. And the music itself, although when you're doing level after level, the music can get repetitive. Yeah. But I think the music's good. Like It doesn't get grating. It's repetitive, but it isn't irritating. And I think there's a very fine line between those things. And I think Mario 64 walks that line very well. My my favourite music in the game is the music that you hardly ever hear, which is the music that's on the loading screen when you choose your save file that you want to load. Um, yeah. I, I don't know why I like that one so much. I just find it really relaxing and really chilled. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I think both visually and um, in terms of sound, it's still perfectly good it it doesn't do anything particularly special but we mentioned in the zelda episode that nintendo do have a tendency of making things look very pleasing and sound very pleasing and it's classic nintendo here that's what they did and i imagine in 1996 it was probably the best thing ever
1: i would have been astounding yeah i mean um i think it looks i think the 3d stuff still looks really solid it's not like you know you get that shaky 3d Mm. this uh kind of feels like it's not quite there yet and you're going to fall through the level i think i referenced this in the past um this feels like proper solid 3d it isn't boxy 3d yeah. <laughs> and yeah hmm. um sometimes with these old games on ps1 and on the n64 and on the saturn as well you got really poor draw distances because the game just couldn't render anything beyond a certain point because I, it was just too demanding i suppose well, but this was, one was of the really issues inter- I had. Oh really?
0: Yeah. So, yesterday when I went back to Are you Bob talking on, about the the coins. Yeah. I went back to Bobble yeah, Battlefield yeah, yeah. and um, I was shooting through the cannon trying to get the last one at the end. Yeah. And I couldn't see where it was. And I, I think I did it about six or seven times until I finally got the coin. I found that irritating. I spent ages doing that but one as well. That's just technical limitations at the time. I don't think you can really blame it on the de- um, the the design. It's just how it was and it's what they had to work with and you know. But what they
1: did manage was they didn't have um, the fog. That you see in other games, yeah, like so or something. You, you right? don't see, yeah, and you, you can see the far ends of the levels. You can. Um, you might not be able to see the coins, no. but you can you can see the mountains and the full mansion and uh, everything is just visible for an early N64 um, but yeah, game.
0: It's very impressive.
1: It is, uh, and it, I think they were, I mean, they're, they're wizards with with their own hardware, and uh, yeah. I think they just yeah they got it right, and yeah, you could tell that a lot of developers were playing catch up on those three on that 3d stuff um and and i always think it with ocarina of time as well you can see death mountain you can see the castle you can see all the way to the distance yet there are some games that can't render i mean you look at the Tony hawks games on on yeah yeah golden eye exactly good example and um you got you, you can't see like sometimes 10 meters in front of you yeah
0: and, and that was a problem all the way up to the ps2 as well
1: i'd say dreamcast solved it and then yeah so because
0: if, if you look uh, at um san andreas you i mean when we come to play it it will be vastly different but if you think back to the 2004 release of san andreas the map feels a lot bigger than what it actually is because you can't see huge. over yeah. bodies of water and stuff and then you actually realize oh las venturas isn't actually that far from san Fierro, and if you play it on pc you can see how close las venturas is to san Fierro. it's crazy but because of the technical limitations it makes it seem so much bigger
1: yeah that's a good point i mean yeah building rendering and things like that i mean i'm really intrigued to go back to san andreas because i always remember it as being huge um and i and i I got a feeling because GTA 3, I always remembered that being small, but that didn't feel as small. No. So I think um, it's going to feel much the same when we play San Andreas. But yeah, But yeah, it could, d- well, be down to those limitations, as you say. I think so. Um, and the soundtrack, I I, I agree. I think, I think what is there, when it's not repeated, is really good. But it's a shame that it is repeated so much. I think they've got some great tracks in there. The famous one is um, the water level tracks. Oh, yeah. Uh, that are used on the water levels. The ones that people would say are really calm and relaxing which they are um, yeah they are yeah it's just a, it's just a nice soundtrack not not nowhere near Nintendo's best soundtrack but no. really solid soundtrack
0: absolutely I'm, that I'm, is repeated I'm, too often yeah I'm, I'm interested to um, hear the soundtracks of the rest of the Mario games because I'm I'm enjoying the music from Sunshine even though I kind of knew what it was already and I know that the original score for Galaxy is pretty amazing
1: Galaxy's amazing, yeah. Galaxy's and, amazing.
0: I mean, i I really love the music in Three D World, big time. Yeah, I think it's so good because it's got a real jazzy big band feel about it. And, Odyssey's
1: got got amazing music as well.
0: Yeah, I've I've seen some of the stuff for Odyssey, and I know that there's that song. Um, yeah, that,
1: it's so catchy. Uh,
0: what's she called? Jump up in the stuff. Yeah, is it is it Daisy?
1: Um, it's um. Yeah, it's Daisy. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, it's not. It's um, How is it not? It's Pauline. Pauline, yeah, Pauline. That's it.
0: And she, she was the yeah. one originally from um, from Donkey Jump, Kong, wasn't Jump she? Man. Yeah. Yeah. Jump Man. Yeah.
1: And when he was Jumpman. Because it
0: went from Pauline in Donkey Kong to then Daisy in Super Mario Land, and then Princess Peach yeah. in um ever since in the main series, and it kind of went from there. But that's cool that they've got a uh, a nod to Pauline in there. I like that.
1: Yeah, I think a lot of fans like that as well. There's also um, a nod to Jumpman in there as well, which is very oh, is cool. Very Yeah. That's yeah. cool. Speaking of Odyssey, we've got our question of the week. So when you play Odyssey, this is a, this is a very minor spoiler, I'd say. Yeah. I know there a fair be. bit
0: about Odyssey anyway, so it should be fine.
1: But for, for, for listeners as well, there is going to be a spoiler here for Mario Odyssey. So you get to a certain point in the game and... There's basically a warp, and you warp to a literally remade Mario sixty four castle.
0: Oh, I didn't realise that actually. There you go.
1: <laughs> it's completely remade. It looks stunning. Um, Is it the same kind of vibe Odyssey. as um,
0: MGS four when you go back to Shadow Moses?
1: Yeah, yeah, um, blows your mind a bit. And you can you can look around as well. And it and it honestly, it, to me. <laughs> I saw that and I thought I would love for a 64 remake to look like this in Odyssey's engine. Mm. Um, but obviously that would take a hell of a lot of work, but they've already Nintendo got the assets for the castle. That. I don't know. Maybe one day. I, I mean, they, they, they did, um, they did links awakening the remake out of nowhere. True. <laughs> no one expected that. They're, they're, they're a strange I, thing I, in I,
0: Nintendo. I don't think you can ever. Predict yeah. They're, they're so, they're, they're odd.
1: They're so unpredictable. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I, I wouldn't have dreamed that they were going to do a Link's Awakening remake, but they did. Yeah. So, um, yeah, you never know what they're going to do. I don't think they're going to do it anytime soon because obviously they've just released this collection. But it had me thinking, what if they could um, do a remake of this game, um, improve the camera issues, make it 60 frames, um, flesh out the levels? Because one of the the problems for me is in the levels, um, some of the textures get a bit muddy and they repeat bit too much yeah and it kind of diminishes the levels a bit um so i'd love to see some of these levels reimagined in a remake um i think i'd be on board for that um so how would you feel about that
0: yeah absolutely i think one of the main reasons that i didn't enjoy this game as we've said is the fact that i've got no history with it and i never played the original and i think you need that muscle memory to kind of go into a game like this so it's exactly the same with the um, with the Crash remake and with the Spyro remake that I was really on board for those and I, I enjoy both of them and it feels like the difficulty curve in Crash Bandicoot the Insane trilogy kind of got amped up a little bit and I know a lot of people were saying it felt a bit like Dark Souls because of the um the difficulty spikes
1: and didn't didn't they change the um the footing so that
0: it wasn't quite the same That's it that that, that was the issue and it it took me quite a while to get used to it. But I don't think Nintendo, if they ever did a remake, would do anything like that. I think they'd keep it pretty um pretty close to the original. But Yeah. I I, I think that it would be a really good idea. And I mean
1: I think people have, have craved a Mario sixty four remake for years. Oh, absolutely. Now, so they know that people want it.
0: And the thing is, we're we're in the age of remakes. You've got as we we've are, said, you've got indeed. Crash Remake, you've got Spyro Remake, you've got Final Fantasy Tony Hawk's 7 just Remake. You've got what?
1: Tony Hawk's just yeah, came out. Yeah, you got Tony we?
0: Hawk. You know, everything's being remade now. It's all the, the big classic games that people really love. And I think Nintendo would make a lot of money from it. It would I think it would cost them a lot to do it but I think they'd make it back within days
1: I think they could do it within the Odyssey engine the Odyssey, the Odyssey engine is really quite special and um, with their art style it looks honestly when you're playing that on the small screen it's quite unbelievable really
0: yeah it, the, the, the thing with the switch that baffles me is how they managed to get and I've not played it yet I've not I've never tried it breath of the wild how they managed to get a game like breath of the wild. Onto a really small cartridge like that. Exactly the same with Witcher 3 Wild Hunt. How they managed to get the yeah, Witcher that's 3 Yeah, yeah. Onto a Switch cartridge. Blows my mind. It's insane. Yeah. But yeah, I Some I of think, the stuff that people do. I, I, I yeah. think that Mario 64 remake would be good. And I'd I definitely play it. I think it would be a really good time and I'd probably enjoy it a lot more. I think it would be a lot more beginner friendly.
1: Yeah. And that, that's a key as well. Because I said to you, I think after this point and you said it was sunshine you play sunshine it is it's a world away from mario 64 it, it also looks it, and it also looks great doesn't it looks it does. really good on on the collection um yeah so i just wanted to talk about uh <laughs> two types of nostalgia is a little extra so we love talking feel like, about nostalgia yeah and and i think um it's interesting for a game like this i think if you've got nostalgia for this game you can either go back and you can really enjoy it which lots lots of people have done. Mm. Um you can also have the opposite thing. Now. You can ruin it. Well, I I I told I think I've told you this story before. Um Assassin's Creed 2. Really enjoyed it when it came out. Well, I think you um,
0: mentioned
1: it. I never never played it since, but I bought the collection when that came out on the PS4. The Ezio collection. And yeah, yeah, and it was horrendous
0: mm-hmm.
1: like I I found it really hard to I don't know I just found it really annoying I found it really cumbersome try going back to um, Assassin's
0: Creed 1 I think that would probably be even worse
1: oh yeah it would be worse but it was really it was really I just had stumbling blocks everywhere Yeah. so sometimes nostalgia can bite you uh you can go back and you can play something and it's not aged the way that you think it has and I think it maybe be to do with familiarity with the game I mean um for those people that have gone back to Mario and they they're they're, uh, they're right at home, and um, obviously they're not their their views not going to change about it. I mean, I went back to it and I thought this camera's horrendous, but I can still see the, the workings of a really solid game that they refine massively in the fu- in the future. Um, so I think there's 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 those two types of nostalgia that you can you can have, and I think we're going to run into those when we're going through the list. So it'll be interesting, really, mm. and. Another thing that I was going to say is that um going back to these very old games. I don't know what my point was. <laughs> I did have a point about going back to old games, but um you lost I it. mean I said to you yeah it's, it's it's gone if it comes back it comes back. Okay. So Super Mario 64 remake is number 80 on the list with a score of 94. Um does it deserve its place on the Metacritic Top 100 list?
0: Now, I received a message from a friend of the podcast, Chris, earlier, who I've mentioned in a few episodes, and he said to me, he goes, what games would you put as like your number one in the Top 100 games? Because he goes, it seems every week when you discuss this section of the, uh, the episode, you always say, yeah, it's good, but it wouldn't be in the Top 100 for me. And I think we've probably got a uh, we 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 we've, we've come up with a theme of these through the episodes where we always say the same. So I'm just going to give it a straight up. Do I think this game deserves to be in the list? Yes, I do. And very sorry, Chris, but it wouldn't be in my top 100 list. But I. <laughs> I fully understand and I fully appreciate why this game is in there and it's the interesting thing with doing this podcast is that we're trying to look at this from an objective point of view where we we remain neutral and even though I sent you messages throughout the week saying I hated this game and as I said I backtrack (laughs) on that a bit now and I don't hate it I just I just didn't enjoy it and it would be unfair to say I didn't enjoy it at all because it kept my attention for a while but this wasn't a game for me and I didn't really like it that much but from a neutral and objective point of view I can fully understand why this game is on this list and I think it's in the right position I think I'd probably push back a little bit if it was higher and I think the same as what I said with Zelda it would be very interesting to see how we stand with the Mario games once we've completed the rest of them and when we finished Odyssey because then we can pose the question okay you're allowed one three D Mario game on this list. What would it be? And oh, that's gonna be, that that would be really hard. Yeah, and I think that's the, that's the cool thing with this podcast is we can ask those questions and have those discussions. So yeah. I've rambled a bit there, but short answer being yes, I think this game deserves to be on this list. How about you?
1: Yeah, um, as I said, with Link to the Past, it's the stepping stone, isn't it? It is. It's the it's the thing between the two D stuff and what would come with the 3d stuff so there's no sunshine there's no um galaxy there's no galaxy two. there's no odyssey 3d world without super mario 64 absolute um it's that really important middle step and you could you can take that further you can take that analogy even further you could say it's a middle step not just for the mario games but for the zelda games but for other 3d games that borrowed and stole and um learnt from super mario 64 and uh, for that reason it definitely does deserve to be in the conversation for the top 100 games now you mentioned favorites now for me a favorite game is a game that i want to play again and again and again mm. irrespective of the fact that i think it's objectively the best or something but it's the game that keeps me coming back I said to you, and I stand by this. I'm not too bothered if I ever play Super Mario sixty four again. Now, I feel like I've done it. Uh, yeah, and yeah, I'm. I'm, I'm just. I just um, have no real inc- inclinations to go back. Whereas there are other Mario games that I do want to go back to, and I'm really looking forward to playing Galaxy again. Um, so my list wouldn't necessarily filled with the conventionally best games in the industry that are considered the best games but it, it would be filled with the ones that keep me coming back for whatever reason and it could be that they're the scariest games ever made or they've got the most inventive worlds or so on so on so on um so yeah I, I'm, I'm with you I, th- I think it deserves to be on the list it wouldn't be on my favorites li- list um now would you recommend this game
0: who am I recommending it to?
1: So say say someone this let's, this let's have two people let's say someone who is just a member of member of the general public they've just pre-ordered PS5 say um, they're 17 years old and yeah they 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 like cod.
0: and the only Mario <laughs> game they've ever played is Odyssey or something.
1: They've never played a Mario game.
0: I would say no, stay away from it, stick with COD. <laughs> I don't think you're going to enjoy it. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I think very similar with the the Link to the Past episode that I could only recommend this game to people who have A, either played it before and have a huge love for the series or this game and I don't think I'd need to recommend it to them because I imagine they are probably already or have already played this. The other person I'd be able to recommend it to is the person that's curious, the person that enjoys the Mario games, had never played this before like myself and wanted to see where the the birthplace of 3D Mario came from. I'd recommend it to them. I couldn't ensure them having a great time with it, but I'd say if you're interested in seeing where this concept came from, then that's where you need to go to have a look at it. But maybe don't spend too much time there because it might do your head in
1: this is uh, this is my point with uh, the point that i was going to make as well um i think there's a third type of person that we've not really acknowledged mm-hmm. which is the person that goes looking for retro games yeah um so someone that wants to play all the old classics that goes through these best of lists and thinks okay this was on the ps1 i i, I feel like i'm a bit like this Um, I see a game that I fancy on the PS1, I'll just go and play it. I bought Cadelka on the PS1, I bought uh, Parasite Eve recently. Um, If I think I'm going to enjoy a game, then I'm willing to give it a go because I know that whatever hang-ups I'll have initially with the gameplay, I always get used to them. So um, I think there's a a type of person that can go back to retro games and kind of shift their mentality a bit. Um, And I think that only comes from just playing lots of retro games um so if you're like that if you do like your retro games and you haven't checked this one out in that case i'd check it out as well but apart from that i'm with you i agree with you there um okay so what have we got coming up
0: um do you know i i think i know is is it the game that you said to me the other day probably half-life yeah yeah, yes, yeah. listener. Next time we're going to be playing Half Life. There we go. I know exactly what we're going to be doing all the time
1: because <laughs> we're super organized. Yes,
0: quite so. Yes, the next game will be Half Life, um, which I again I've never played before, so <laughs> be interesting yeah. to see how that goes. Perfect. So, cool. that is Super Mario 64. I'm glad that it's over. Where can people find us? So if you would like to find us on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram, we are there. If you want to email us, we are the long and short of it podcast at hotmail.com. You know, if um, if you're enjoying what we're doing, please consider subscribing on whatever platform it is that you listen to us. Uh, also, please consider sharing to anyone that you think might be interested as well. Me and Dan both really enjoy doing these. It's a really nice little project for us, and it's nice to kind of get the feedback from you guys. So, you know, we uh, we appreciate you, and uh, we appreciate you listening. Yep,
1: indeed. Couldn't have said it better myself.
0: Lovely. All right, well, um, until next time with Half-Life then, cheerio.
1: See you on the next one.